Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. It's Leading Woman in Tech Time. I hope you are doing well. Today, I have a new guest for you who is a publicist. Hmm, why have I got a publicist on the show? Well, stick with me here. <laughs> I'm really enjoying bringing unique and different people to the show recently. We've got lots of different ideas coming on, and this is really good for our careers. But Claire Mason is today's guest. And Claire is a thought leadership publicist. Yes, thought leadership. You've heard me talk about thought leadership before. You've heard me interview people to talk about personal branding before. But we're bringing this all together. Claire's specialism is thought leadership publicity. She works with founders, coaches, solo entrepreneurs, but also individuals like many of you to help them get the publicity they need for visibility, credibility, provide pipelines, improve their LinkedIn media strategies. And actually, I was talking to Claire from the perspective of like, how could this impact our careers? And I think this is a really, really big one. I learned accidentally the power of being visible in the media in my career. I was hired into my C-suite role because I was visible and because of my network. And that was because I was in the media. I was being interviewed for things. I was writing things in the media. I was very, very visible and it really, really helped my career. So I really wanted to bring this conversation with you to you today. Claire has and bylines from publishers including The Guardian, Marie Claire, The Sunday Times. She's placed clients' publications in Forbes, CNBC, Wall Street Journal, among many others. And she regularly sees a 40% or more increase in client pipelines after implementing her content strategies. Claire's work has been showcased as an example of best practice by HubSpot. And she's a regular contributor to business publications around the world where she thoughts on how thought leadership publicity can move the needle for B2B brands. So this isn't just good for you, it's actually good for your organization too. So if you're a senior leader, you want to pay attention. In our conversation today, we talked about how we get to tell stories about what we do, how actually thought leadership allows us to make a bigger impact, make a bigger difference contribute more to society and also how you might already be a bit of a thought leader already and it's just about tweaking the way you're operating so that it really gets out there. I'm also delighted to let you know that Claire is actually supporting our podcast episode today. Without people like Claire supporting the podcast this wouldn't be possible. I'm honoured that she is supporting us as a sponsor as well as a guest. Thank you so much to Claire but without further ado let's get Claire onto the show. Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership. I'm your host, Tony Collis, and this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. Join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, breaking through the glass ceiling, be a great leader, and how to navigate the unique experiences we face as women in tech. So sit back, grab your headphones, and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. Welcome to the show, Claire. It's wonderful to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Tony. I'm so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation. I feel like when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, setting this up, we really hit it off. And you were so passionate about helping people get their voice out there in a way that I hadn't really appreciated when I thought of well, what a publicist does. So share with us all a little bit about your work and why you believe so passionately in helping individuals in companies get their thought leadership message out there. Well, firstly, thank you for telling me that I'm passionate about it because I, I eat, sleep and breathe thought leadership 
publicity. And sometimes I think I actually become a big old bull because it's the, <laughs> the only topic I can speak about. But the reason why I'm so driven about it is because thought leadership publicity is actually a way of being of service to other people and also to reap benefits for yourself. So I think in the in the commercial world, they can be a kind of energy that you need to be cutthroat and you need to be stepping on other people. And actually, to get to the top or to, you know, make a lot of money or reap benefits for yourself. But actually, when you're out there really sharing your point of view, your perspectives, helping people make sense of your industry, your, um, you know, maybe you've got some forecasts, uh, however you can add insights for other people in your industry. And it's not only people in companies. I also work with a lot of solopreneurs and founders themselves. You really are actually contributing something good to the world. You, you're helping mm-hmm. other people. And, and that goodness in the world also comes back to you. So there's there's quite an altruistic side to it, which I really, really love. I feel like I'm in service of actually explaining how publicity can be a really good thing. It's not all influencer marketing in the kind of junk food space. When I say junk food, I'm not meaning hamburgers or anything. I mean, you know, sort of non-substantial content. Um, I'm not talking about that. I really take a lot of uh, pride in being a publicist and actually making sure people's stories are getting into the right places and in front of the right eyeballs. So that's the altruistic side. And then the fun side is that I feel like I've created a life for myself where all I do all day long is tell stories. (laughs) And that is just the nicest way I can think of spending my working day. So that's the reason why I have such love for what I do. I, I love that. I, I, one, I love that you you get to tell stories and, and this is your passion and, and helping people do that. But I also just love whenever I hear somebody who's working in a way where they're just like excited and lit up and love what they do. I just want everybody to feel that way. It's one of the reasons this podcast exists is to help more women in tech find that. Uh, and I just I just love having people on the show who are happy to say that. Like, I want everybody listening to know that this is possible, whether that's in the tech industry or you want to go and do something different like Claire's doing and being a publicist, whatever it is, there is a role out there where you are going to get paid well and love what you're doing. So just, oh, I love that so much. You can create it for yourself. I mean, one of the things I'm watching with great interest, you know, I have to say I was a culprit of this too. The way in January this year, everybody plus their goldfish was writing LinkedIn posts about ChatGPT, and I was one of those people. <laughs> yeah. So I say I, I am, I am guilty of this. But I'm watching all these developments all the time, and I, I mean, you know, technology advancing is is not new news. That's been doing that for thousands of years. Uh, but we can take technology, and then we can take our skill stack, and we can take who we are as an actual person. Like I'm a thought leadership publicist, and I love doing the tango. And I promise you, I share that information and people I I don't think there's anyone who's sitting there saying I need a publicist who also knows the steps to the tango but as people start getting a sense of who I am and this is what I stand for and this is how I work and this is the way I work with the media and the individual and I cross the bridges it really draws the people to me that would work best with Mm -hmm. me and and I I'm very active in my business networking so I go out there and you know, let people know about me. So I'm a real optimist about the opportunities we can actually create for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I love the fact that you share that you're passionate about tango as well, because I think, (laughs) I think this is part of what we need to be doing. We need to be humans. And I think for the longest time, we've struggled with what does it mean to be authentic at work? We're told we need to, but when, what's oversharing? And are people actually interested in what's going on in my personal life, like what I care about, what my hobbies are, 
Or are they just doing that because they're told they should do as a good boss? And like, where's the line? And I've actually learned, again, as a business owner, I did not know this as an individual when I was working for other companies. But as a company owner, as a CEO, and as somebody who works with people, people want to know who I am. Mm-hmm. Actually, people want to know more about me than I'm prepared to share. <laughs> uh, there's, I think I've got quite a boring life, to be honest, but um, <laughs> people love hearing about what's going on in my life. And I always find that absolutely fascinating. So that brings me nicely a little bit about how should we go about sharing our personal life? We're kind of starting this off in a track I wasn't expecting to, but I think it's a nice way to start. Where, where's the line? Should we be talking about who we are as individuals as much as our thought leadership from a work perspective? So I'm going to say no. Uh, I don't think it's a 50-50 ratio. And mm-hmm. I don't have any data or research to back myself up on that. I'm just going to say that's going... I'm a lot like you, Tony, in that I have a very visible career. I have a very visible public, uh, you know, my public-facing role as the owner of my business. And I absolutely love it. You know, I enjoy swanning around networking events. I know many people don't. I actually do like it. And then my my private life really consists of a Great Dane and lots of lovely walks in the park and, and you know, gardening with my roses and my tango lessons. So my my private life, I feel, is private and I like to keep it that way. So To go back to your question, no, I don't think we should be sharing details about our private life to the same degree that we share details Mm -hmm. about our our thought leadership. Um, But where I do think the two converge is that, again, I'm not only a thought leadership publicist, I'm a human. So the stuff that I do share, I mean... I don't give a a rundown account every Monday morning of what took place at the tango class on the Sunday evening, but I weave that into stories. So sometimes what it might be is I talk about how it, it, you know, took me, you know, that I think this was a LinkedIn post maybe around about October, November last year, which did very well. But I was talking about how when you go to dance lessons, you know, you can feel very frustrated because you you really want to look like the teacher who's so elegant and graceful <laughs> and you don't. And, you know, I, I made a segue into the fact that when you start working with the media, at first you might feel very intimidated and overwhelmed, but actually there are, there is a step-by-step process that you can follow. Mm. So I don't think anyone's particularly interested in hearing about me doing the tango just because but I've woven it into the way I talk about thought leadership publicity and it's something I am happy enough to have in the public domain but again the reason why I'm attracting people or attracting leads to get into my pipeline and potentially become my clients is because the bulk of what I'm talking about is why visibility matters how you can build your your profile as a thought leader, the way you're helping other people as a thought leader. This, these are the first three steps to take, you know, that kind of content. And I, I mean, I work, I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, but I'm also taking that content and sharing it in networking groups or running webinars, speaking on panels. You know, the, the opportunities are limitless from that front. So I hope that gives a little bit more idea. I don't think we need to and I'm going to use a, you know, a term here that's maybe not the most higher grade, but I don't think we need to pump our personal lives to get attention. I think mm-hmm. what it is, it's about showing up as, as you said, authentic human. I think showing up as a human. Yeah, 100%. Well, that brings us me nicely to personal brand. And I think many people don't understand personal brand. But one of the things I love when we spoke prior to recording was you talked about how thought leadership and building our personal brand are actually one and the same. Mm-hmm. And yet many of us shy away from this personal brand. So can you explain a little bit about the commonality of them? Why personal branding has become misunderstood and 
what it actually means to build your personal brand and what it means to show your thought leadership in an area. I'm very happy to chat about that because I always think uh, the term personal brand has sort of become part of the culture wars. You know, you either vehemently hate the term or you absolutely love the term. Nobody mm-hmm. sort of has neutral feelings about it. Now, I have to say, for me, the term is not problematic. I'm, I talk more about being a thought leader, but I'm, I'm fine with the term <laughs> personal brand. The reason why I think there's such a negativity towards it is because making yourself visible obviously involves a risk. You know, like when you're not visible, then nobody can really know what you stand for. So so nobody can really contradict you or confront you or anything like that. When you start sticking photographs of yourself and, you know, publishing on LinkedIn or whatever platform you might choose to publish on or become more visible about it, there's a lot of your own mindset that's going to try and prevent you from doing that because it's 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 going to signal to your nervous system that you don't feel so safe anymore. And mm-hmm. of course, you're stepping away from being anonymous, you're now making yourself more known. So that's one of the reasons why I think the term personal brand, some people can feel uncomfortable with it. I think it does also have echoes of influencer marketing in it. And I've certainly seen influencer marketing work very well. I think it is predominantly a B2C play, but I have seen it work very well in B2B marketing too. But I think influencer marketing also comes, as I was saying earlier, with like a kind of junk food feel to it you know we're all plugging something on Instagram and it's all fake and you know we look like we're flying on a private jet but actually we're not and all that kind of (laughs) stuff so I I think that's part of the problem the image problem you know the personal brand problem personal brand has but the way I think about personal brand is and it really repositions the whole act of building a personal brand is when you build one for yourself what you're actually building is an authority brand And that, again, takes me, this moves into the thought leadership space because you've got a full day, Tony. Maybe you and I both think we've got sort of sedate, boring lives, but I promise you, you've got a full day. I've got a full day. So when you're in the market for something, whether that's a publicist, whether you're looking for somebody to redecorate your home, whatever the case might be, intrinsic to you looking for that person that you're now going to commission and pay money to is you Mm -hmm. want to believe you're in the hands of an expert, don't you? Or you want to believe this person really knows what they're doing. And that's where us building a personal brand or building our profiles as a thought leader is really, again, I go back to this whole thing. It is an act of service because now when somebody comes to you, they've already got a very high degree of trust. It might be that you have a discovery call and you find out that you're not the ideal match for each other as a client and a, and a consultant or a client and a supplier. That happens all the time too. I, can t- I can't tell you how many times I've had a chat with someone and that person hasn't become a client for me, but then they've referred somebody to me <laughs> because, you know, to, to whatever degree I have it, there is a, a personal brand out there and they have an idea of who I am and how I work. And, you know, for whatever reason, it, did, it wasn't a match for this person and me, but then they've referred me to other people. So when we build authority into our the way we present ourselves online or offline, whatever the case might be, uh, what we're also doing is signaling to people, we're actually reassuring them and we're signaling to them that they can trust us. And that ta- that saves a lot of time in the sales yeah. cycle. So, you know, so that's that's the way I think of, of personal brands. I think personal branding wouldn't have the issue that it's got if it was actually called authority branding or building an authority brand. Yeah, I think I think the word brand freaks some people out, certainly the women mm. I work with. But building just building our authority, building our authority kind of speaks to respect, I think. And I think that's key. So 
That brings me nicely onto thought leadership for career journeys. Most of my listeners are either senior leaders or hoping to be a senior leader one day, whether that is senior management or executive management, maybe a CEO, maybe a co-founder. But a lot of them are people leaders as well as um, individual contributors, but working for another corporation. Why does our authority, why does our personal brand, but I'm going to go with authority here, in the broader community that we operate in, why does that matter to our careers? It matters to our careers because, again, what what we're doing is signaling that we're, firstly, we're, we want more, <laughs> we're capable of more, we're putting our, our heads above the horizon to say, I'm here and I'm, mm. I want to give more, you, you know. Uh, so, I again, I don't want to get too esoteric about it, but I really do believe when we start, and I see it time and time again with my clients, when you start, you know, appearing more frequently on LinkedIn and you're really putting you know, high quality content out there. A lot of the work I do is working with podcasts and publications. So I'm getting clients publicity. What we're doing is really signaling to, if we do want to get esoteric about it, we're signaling to the universe, we're signaling to our networks, we're signaling to the people who might have a role that they're looking to recruit. And then all of a sudden Mm. they pick up an industry publication and you're one of the panelists that is fed into answering a question about where the accounting industry or the technology industry, the SaaS industry is going to be in five years. And Mm. suddenly, you know, dots start connecting. So, and then you're getting, you know, headhunted and you, you also being asked to feed into big projects or policies. So suddenly you start having a bigger impact I mean, mm-hmm. if, you know, often people come to me for um, for publicity because it's all about lead generation. But mm-hmm. there's so many other aspects that come with it. And once you have a personal brand that's out there, you also get to make a bigger impact in the world. And that's something that we need. Absolutely. I, I That really speaks to me because certainly even before I started my current role as CEO of a company, selling coaching and training to women in tech, as an executive in companies, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to become an executive was because I could have a bigger impact than I could earlier on in my career. I could make more decisions. I could mm. lead the way better. I could, I had more authority when I was in meetings, not just within my company, but when I was brought on stage as a speaker or a panelist, I had more authority. So I had more impact. And I think that's one of the things I know many of the women I work with, as we go higher up in our careers, we're like, oh my gosh, I can have more impact. This is what it feels like. That's a great reason to get promoted in its own right. And you're saying that the personal branding work, one, amplifies our impact, but two, amplifies our ability to get to that higher level to have that impact. And it's like a self-reinforcing cycle. Is that fair to say? Very much so. I always talk about thought leadership as get visible, get credible and grow. Because, yeah. the moment, you know, once you start putting yourself out there, Tony, whatever capacity that might be. So I talk a lot about LinkedIn because I'm also a LinkedIn ghostwriter, but, you know, maybe I work with B2B clients who actually do do a lot of their thought leadership publicity on Instagram, for example. Mm. And and then again, as I say, I've got the publicity piece, which is working with the media. But the moment you start doing this, you're not just all of a sudden somebody who was maybe hiding in the shadows, now you're not in the shadows any longer. You're also suddenly bestowing a whole lot of credibility on yourself because mm. you are taking the time to craft really insightful content. And that doesn't mean it has to be 2,000 words long. You know, it can be a snippet on on a social media profile. But you're starting to contribute to the wider ecosystem that you're part of. 
And so when you build a personal brand for yourself and you you have the opportunity to now have more impact, you're coming at it with visibility, credibility, and then the only thing that can happen in the space of that is that you'll grow. So even something like maybe a person, maybe a woman in tech is now moving higher and higher up into executive roles and, you know, very senior roles in the company and having incredible impact. I can absolutely promise you it's not impossible that a book publisher is going to come along and say, oh, you know, would you like to write a chapter or we're doing that? Are you going to be invited to speak on a panel? You're going to be asked to MC an event. Then I'm not saying this happens overnight. You know, you, you publish on LinkedIn and then tomorrow these opportunities rain from the heavens. But I am saying that these things start to happen because you are seen as somebody who's got something to say and something very valuable to contribute. And then, mm-hmm. and then, and you do. I mean, that's yeah. the first thing that I say to all my clients is the the thing you don't know about yourself already is that you are a thought leader, but you can't have all of your thought leadership intelligence sitting in your prefrontal cortex. You actually have to yes. get it into the public domain. And that's the only thing I do. That's the work mm-hmm. I do. But every single person, and I've done this for a number of years now, I can say without a doubt, has incredible intellectual and emotional intelligence and can really share and, and make other people's lives much easier. So, uh, so yes, I would 100% agree with you on that statement. I love that. I love the fact that it's about making other people's lives easier. That's beautiful. I just want to change tack a little bit and talk about why our companies may or may not want us to do this. So as I mentioned, many of my listeners are not CEOs themselves. They're working for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I know many of the women I work with are hesitant to post. One, because should I be doing this? I don't know. I don't want to. And all that, all the, all the stuff we've already kind of been through. But then there's that second layer of objections around why well, my company doesn't want me to. Mm-hmm. Can you address that? What, what is the benefit to a business of their head of engineering or their head of marketing or, you know, they're a, an architect, middle, mid management? What is the benefit to that company of those individuals being thought leaders? I will address that. The first thing I'm going to say, though, is nobody owns your personal brand except you. So you'd have to speak to a labor lawyer on, you know, on the legal technicalities. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly wouldn't advocate anyone to be, you know, breaking codes of contract and stuff like that. But I, I don't feel any hesitation saying nobody owns your personal brand except you. And I would certainly say, Tony, it's an incredible insurance policy from a future proofing point of view to actually mm-hmm. invest in your personal brand. And I would I would urge anyone, a self-employed person as well as an employed person, to take it seriously. And then in terms of the question you've asked me, the I'm thinking very much with my publicist hat on my head now, but the the value I would see for a company and with the clients that I do work with, and again here I'm thinking very much from the LinkedIn and the publicity side is let's say it is a middle manager. I mean, I was at an event here in Dublin about three weeks ago at Salesforce. And there mm-hmm. was a, it was about an hour and a half and they were talking about the future of work and stuff like that. But um, there were pro- there were two panels and then there were sort of like two maybe 10 minute keynotes. And what Salesforce had done was invite people who are obviously part of their clients to be on the panels and, you know, speak in the, to be the keynote speakers. And that was such a tremendous opportunity, firstly for the individual, but also for the companies that they came from, which were obviously, mm. you know, technology companies, because there's there's branding. They're on all of the social media, you know, content that's going out. They were on the pull-up banners and all the rest. But then it's also a case for these individuals 
to speak about whatever area of expertise they were speaking about and liken it back to what's happening in their companies. So when it comes to things like, I don't like this term, but when we talk about the war for talent, Mm. I mean, that's one of the easiest ways companies can actually benefit is if their employees who are already working with them have personal brands and are speaking about, you know, the opportunities, the innovation, whatever the case might be. So, yeah, I think companies can be a bit short-sighted if they wholesale prevented individuals from building personal brands. Mm -hmm. I think obviously it's up to the individual to be cognizant of how, while they're in full-time employment with a company, how they need to navigate this and go about it. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see anyone totally neglect building a personal brand because it is a future proof policy. Mm. I, I mean, I've also seen I, I most of the companies I've worked with, both as a, you know, a coach and working with the individuals who are working for a company, but then also my own career. The company benefits so much from the visibility of their staff, mm. especially leadership staff, as anybody in management positions. But even earlier on in our careers, I think that. Provided you are good, you're eloquent, you speak clearly, you're not trashing the company. You're saying, hey, this company has great employees who knows their stuff. It's, you know, it actually, I think, builds trust in the company if mm. the company's employees are visible because it says we trust our employees to have a voice. We trust our employees' opinions. And if those opinions are good opinions, you know, they're valid and they're respected, it actually builds trust in the products that the company is producing because, you know, you've got people working for you that we believe are authentic and, you know, intelligent and thought leaders. And therefore, we trust the business as much as we trust the individuals. Would you say that's a fair assessment of what might be going on in the psychology behind people looking at the individuals representing a company? Because, you know, I'm on this because I work for so-and-so. And so my logo is on in the background because, you know, I have to. that's one of the requirements for a lot of people. The logo has to be in the background. Would you say that's a fair assessment of like what actually goes on in these situations? Yes, I think I think that is fair. And and I my my bet is that this whole idea of building a personal brand or you know be, becoming a thought leader, I think people are going to understand it more and more for the opportunity it presents. And I think that will filter whether we say up, whether we say outwards. I think that will filter to to companies who understand, I mean, if you've got a an employee of yours who's building a personal brand, you're kind of getting free publicity, aren't you? Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you're, be, you're being the, the broader company and the logo is being established as a thought leader. And mm. we, know, we know that I think the tremors were certainly predated the pandemic in terms of how the world of work was changing. But we know that that brought immense change and we know that that the transformation continues. So I really, one of the things that I'm very encouraged about is seeing how, I think we are still having very difficult conversations around it, which I think rightly so, but how companies and individuals are going to find them, uh, you know, so I suppose it's kind of like a, a big battle of capitalism. You know, how is the worker as well as the company going to work well together and both get out of the transaction what they need to get out of it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So I, there's a couple more questions I really want to ask you. And although we're kind of at time, I've got, I've got questions I really want to ask. So let's go for this. The first one is what top tips do you have for getting started for somebody on their thought leadership journey? who's not really done anything before. Okay. So I've got three. Firstly, pick a social media platform. I'm very predisposed to LinkedIn. Um, and I would say it would be the it would be a good one for, for mm. your audience, but definitely because you have a lot of control over what you're publishing. And if at some point you do make a leap into publicity where you're talking to, on podcasts and 
you're, uh, you know, being interviewed by the media and all the rest, you you would have learned a lot around what messaging lands and what it does and what mm. messaging doesn't land on social media. So start in a way that you feel very safe, but definitely pick a social media platform and then start being consistent on it. Secondly, high raise headshots, Tony. It's a very practical and pragmatic thing to do. You don't need hundreds of them, but two or three really, you know, invest in a photographer and have some really nice headshots taken. Those are super helpful. And then the third thing is you could work with somebody like me or you could also do it for yourself. Start testing some messaging. You know, you need you need to have three main messages. I mean, really what I do for my marketing is or my thought leadership publicity is I say the same three things in a thousand different ways. So <laughs> one of that. those things, for example, is, you know, be visible. But I've got a, many different ways of saying that. So nobody needs to feel intimidated of, oh, you know, I've got a full time job and now I need another 24 hours in the day to figure out my messaging uh, strategy. Don't feel that it's such an onerous task. Instead, start you know, what What are the three things you really stand for in your industry and maybe mm. jot them down, take yourself out for a coffee, just give yourself some ideas and then find hundreds of different ways of saying that. So it's your messaging strategy. Find a social media pl- platform you're comfortable on and high risk photographs. Love that. I love that. Well, that's just my final question before we move on to the quick fire round is about LinkedIn, because you're right. My audience, they should be on LinkedIn. Uh, I think many of them are. Not all of them, but they should all be on LinkedIn. <laughs> if they're women in tech leadership, they should be. So many of them are reluctant posters. They don't mm-hmm. want to post their lurkers on LinkedIn. Actually, the majority of LinkedIn is a set of lurkers. Yes, and yes. so posting is really good, as you and I both know. So if they're a reluctant poster, how should they get started? What do they need to do to just get over that emotional, oh, gosh, I can't possibly post something? So here's where I'm going to be a little bit tough, but we know mm. that action is the antidote to fear. So you have to, you have to just push yourself and do it. What I will say, this is where I'm a little bit more tender-hearted, is <laughs> that um, so I'm going to share the stats that or the the insights that LinkedIn share themselves, and then I'm going to tell you what works for my clients. Mm-hmm. So around about I think it's maybe late October, November every year, LinkedIn themselves publish a big report on how many people are on their platform, how many people are publishing and all the rest. And you are right. LinkedIn is a is a platform of a lot of people watching your content, but very few publishing. I think the latest numbers from late 2022 is that there are 875 million people on LinkedIn from just about every country on the planet. And I think it's something like only 3% of that 875 million published once a week. Wow. And then LinkedIn themselves actually said the ideal cadence is five times a week. So if you've gone from nothing to five times a week, then of course that does feel overwhelming and it can maybe stop you in your tracks before you start. So when I'm working with clients, if they're working with me as a LinkedIn ghostwriter, obviously I take care of that. But if I'm doing a kind of mindset coaching with them to get them started with their own thought leadership journey, what I would say is do it once a week, but commit to being consistent about that for at least six weeks. So maybe you only publish on a Tuesday morning. Maybe you've decided it's a Wednesday afternoon. Maybe you're not even going to commit yourself to a specific day and time in the week, but you make a commitment that once a week you will publish, then do that. And I would certainly urge people to move as close as possible to the five times a week that they can. But I've definitely seen two clients who have gone out with publishing once a week and they really put some thought and some effort into the content that they were publishing once a week. 
And they started to see the algorithm work in their favor and they started, you know, attracting nice new connections and they were very actively making new connections. And then it worked out so well for them. They decided that they were going <laughs> to stick with the once a week. They didn't want to do more than that. But what they were going to do is extend that from the, you know, committed for six weeks. So they, I think the one client is actually a client in Cape Town and she's probably done it for about a year and a half now. And she did commit to a day. Every Monday morning, she publishes a specific post on LinkedIn. So the antidote to fear is always action. You have to actually get over yourself and do it mm. basically. And then the second thing is find a way that it, it works for you. So if you, if you're currently not publishing, don't feel you have to do five times a week to make it worth your while. Once a week is okay, but then stick with it. No, oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm hoping people are going to get unstuck a little bit and have the <laughs> confidence to, well, rather step over the fear to gain the confidence by taking action. Love that. Let's move on to the quick fire round. These are my some of my favorite questions to get to ask every every episode. Love it. Okay, what is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Fake it till you make it. I don't oh, like that God, advice. I at all. hate that as well. <laughs> I don't like it either. I don't like that at all. And actually, I don't think it's true. Yes, I agree. Now, I know a little bit more about neuroscience now than what I used to, but uh, no, I don't. I don't like that advice. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Mm, the best piece of advice I've ever been given would be very much in the realm of. I'd say your your network is your net worth. The people, oh, actually, I'd, I'd go one step further back. The five people you spend your your time with, you are the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. So, uh, yeah, that, that um, was said to me as a very young adult, and now I'm not such a young adult anymore, and it still resonates. Mm. It's such a good and important point, that one. I surround yourself by the people you want to be because I just, it has such a huge impact. This is something I see in my programs because I create communities of women and they're fairly carefully curated. And the amount those women grow in such a short amount of time, simply mm. because they're surrounded by women who are doing amazing things and they start all behaving that way. And I just, oh, it's such a powerful thing to do that. I love that so much. Thank you. What is the last book you read and would you recommend it? Okay, so I read a book called The Buddha in Me, The Buddha in You, and yes, I would recommend it. And it's um, obviously it is talking about Buddhism, but it's um, what what it meant for me is another way of being in the world, basically. So as I move into my mid forties, inner peace <laughs> is where is what I want. So uh, so yes, I'd recommend it very much. So The Buddha in Me, The Buddha sure. in You. I will make sure um, some details on that are in the show notes for listeners. Uh, I think all of us could do a bit more in a piece at some point in our lives. Yeah. Mindset. At the end of every episode, I love to have a mindset tip to help people with the topic of the podcast. So what is your favorite mindset tip, especially around publicity, personal branding, mm. getting out of our comfort zone on this? What would be your favorite mindset tip? So I, do, I have that ready to say straight away. I'll just put a caveat in there that I've got to... I've got to live up to these words myself. So by no means am I an expert in it. But something that's really, it's a tip that I only heard maybe in the last two years of my life, but don't believe everything your mind tells you. And, mm. you know, so I, I've been doing this for a long time and it's obviously not, it's not, I'm not fearful to put myself forward the way someone else might be, but then I have other fears when maybe it's a case of I am pitching a client and for a period of time, 
media opportunities are not landing because editorial mm. cycles change and all the rest, then, you know, it's that good old imposter syndrome that can come in through the back door and say, oh, you know, have I lost my touch? Am I not really good at this? Was, you know, the previous seven years all just a, a fluke mm. or whatever the case might be. So I'm not great at it, but I'm becoming more and more aware of when my mind tells me something. I actually don't always take it on face value. If it's something kind of negative and, you know, putting me down or something like that a, a big mindset tip for me is to be vigilant about what my mind tells me yeah being vigilant and and raising that self-awareness as part of that is crucial I think to our sanity our mental mm-hmm. health our productivity all sorts of things so thank you for sharing that you're welcome too. how can people find out more about you and what you do and connect oh thank you for asking me that my website is clairemason.co so that's my name, .co, because the .com domain name wasn't available. Um, I, I'm on my website. People can book a discovery call through there very easily, and I'd love to chat with people. And my email address is already on there. My email address is also claire at clairemason.co. And then I'm also on LinkedIn, and you can find me if you just enter the search term Claire Mason Thought Leadership, because my LinkedIn URL has thought leadership in it. So I think there are hundreds of Claire Masons, <laughs> but I'm the only one that goes by the name Claire Mason Thought Leadership. And I'm I'm very active on LinkedIn. So through LinkedIn or through my website or through my email, I would respond to people very quickly. And I'm guessing that we're connected. If not, we, we will be by the time this episode yeah. goes live. So... One thing that people can do is if you're connected with me, and I know a lot of listeners are connected with me, if you search for Claire, she'll come up higher because you're connected to me. So she'll be a second degree connection. Just got to say that. Makes it easier. (laughs) If you're not connected with me, connect with me, people. Uh, I love (laughs) connecting with my listeners, Uh, not just being a follower, but connect with me. I love having conversations with every listeners with the show. Like join us on LinkedIn. It's a great place to be. Any final thoughts you would like to share before we wrap up today? Yes, one thought, which again feeds into why I do the work that I do, is that we really do need, and the media wants new voices. So I'm not going to pretend that the media is without its faults, but I can tell you, Tony, if you present yourself as a credible resource, media opportunities will fall at your feet. And I am Mm -hmm. absolutely zealous about the fact that we do need different voices in the media. We need different voices on LinkedIn. So, um, you know, give yourself the best chance to to gain all of these opportunities and go out there and establish yourself as a thought leader because the world actually needs you. Oh, yes, 100%. The world really does need us. Actually, that's how I wrap up every episode, uh, which brings us to wrap up time. Thank you so much, Claire, Thank for you. sharing your words of wisdom today. Hopefully elevating a few of the listeners to go and do a little bit more thought leadership and being that inspiration we all needed to hear. And thank you also for supporting the show it is only possible to bring this show to listeners because of the support of many of our guests. And I really, really appreciate it. So thank you. And if you are loving this conversation with Claire and the rest of the episodes on this podcast, please make sure you hit subscribe or like this episode in your favorite podcast player or over on YouTube. Every subscriber makes a difference. Everybody that follows our podcast makes a difference. It's how we can make sure we keep creating amazing free content like this for you each and every week. So make sure you go ahead like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is. And listeners, remember, until next time, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.